Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so I'm really excited for today. So we're wrapping up our Heroes and Villains um, series, and we've, uh, this is the fourth week of it, I believe. And this is one of my favorite series that we, I mean, we have a lot that we kind of bring back repetitively every, every year, but this is one of my favorites because the Bible is filled with, with stories and, you know, it's, it's the guideline. It's our um, kind of our roadmap for our life, which is very important. And so something wrong. Um, And so, you know, there's things like the Ten Commandments that are kind of our laws, our rules to follow the you should not do these things. Um, But then it's also filled with stories and it's filled with examples that we can learn from and that we can grow from. And I love that because I personally, I learn from experience. I learn from hearing other people go through something and then, you know, hearing about their journey through that process. And then it becomes an example for me to grow from. And so that's why I also love the Bible because it's filled with not just these rules and laws for us to follow, but it's filled with examples of real people who lived life and learned from God. And so that's why I love this because we get to hear about these heroes and villains, whether they have a good story or they have a bad story, we get to learn from them and learn from their example, learn from their mistakes, learn from the same things that they're learning from. And so I just think that's really exciting. So when Jared asked me um, if I would be a part of this, I was really excited because again, I love this series. And um, I personally always like to pick a female, um, whether it's good or bad. So we're doing a villain today and our, and our villain is Delilah. Um, And so it's not necessarily a female empowering message today more. So we're going to learn from the mistakes of Delilah and how to not be a Delilah. Um, But it's just, it's such a cool story that I wanted to share with you guys today, but before we can really, so Delilah um, it's, she's in the book of judges, but she's only mentioned in this chapter that we're going to talk about today. That's the only time she's mentioned in the Bible, but she has such a huge impact that there are songs that are written after her. There are poems that are written after her. There are books that are written after her because she um, just had such a huge impact in Samson's life. And so the story that most of us have heard is of Samson. How many of you have heard of Samson before? Okay, so pretty much everyone has heard of Samson. So we're going to learn um, about him and how Delilah um, impacted his life. So it's kind of a, a two-in-one story, um, but we really have to understand Samson to know why Delilah was so important and so had such an impact on his life. So I just wanted to kind of give you a little bit of a backstory on Samson. And I would highly encourage you. I've heard this story many times throughout my life, but when I was preparing for this message, I read through the whole story of Samson. It's like three chapters that cover in the book of Judges that cover his whole life story. So it's not a lot to read, but he has a truly fascinating story Um, And I would just encourage you, you know, after today, take some time to read through it um, from start to finish. That way, you know, the whole life story of Samson, because we're kind of, it's like, spoiler alert, we're going to get the tail end of Samson's life today. But um, so in order to know why Delilah is so important and why we need to learn from her, we need to know more about Samson. So just kind of a backstory of Samson. So Samson's parents 
um, were older. So very similar to the story of like Abraham and Sarah, where they were an older couple, they were never able to have children, and they had pretty much just given up on the fact that they would ever be parents. Um, one day, Samson's mom is, you know, out, out doing her work for the day, and she's visited by an angel. And the angel tells her that she has been chosen by God to give birth to a son, and that this son would be a powerful man of God, and that he would have a very specific purpose. And, and then he kind of laid out the plan for Samson's life, saying, you know, these are the things that you can't do while you're pregnant. And after Samson's born, you can never cut his hair because his strength um, will be associated with his hair. So you can never cut his hair, but he will grow up to be this super strong, powerful man. And uh, he's going to do great things for God. And so right off the bat, Samson is a chosen man of God. He is born and, you know, he has a purpose for God. Then he, when he's actually born um, and as he's growing up, he has superhuman strength. He's like the Hulk of the Bible. Like he just has incredible strength. And we'll go into that a little bit too, but you know, he, he's superhuman. It doesn't say like how tall he was, if he was a giant. It just says he had just undeniable strength. And some instances of that is there was one day when Samson is walking through a field and he comes across a lion. And if any of us, if we came across a lion, we'd be like, all right, and you're going to I mean, your first instinct is going to be to run. That'd be terrible because they're going to chase you. But, you know, you're not going to think, let me go up to the lion and, you know, engage with this lion. Your thought is I'm going to play dead or I'm going to run away or I'm going to do something. But Samson, in harm of this lion, just walks up to the lion and kills this lion with his bare hands. No weapon, nothing else. He just grabs that lion and he just kills it with his bare hands. That's pretty incredible. I mean, lions are massive creatures. And he just kills it with his bare hands. There's another story where um, Samson is, he comes across the Philistines. Now the Philistines to Samson, they were like his arch enemy. So the Philistines hated Samson and Samson hated the Philistines. And he's walking down a road and he encounters a small army. A thousand people doesn't seem small, but in those days they would have like tens of thousands. So a thousand Philistines and they want to kill Samson because they hate him. They hate everything that he stands for. And so Samson, once again, is unarmed, and he's looking around as these Philistines are coming at him, and he sees a donkey carcass, and so he grabs the jawbone of a donkey, and he slaughters all thousand Philistines with just the jawbone of a donkey. That's pretty insane. And then there's another one that I love that I just had to mention, and it's kind of, I mean, it's terrible, but it's kind of funny. So Samson, again, comes across a Philistine, like their, their land. And he's in the middle of this field with all of their crops. And so he's looking around and he sees all these crops and he's thinking, then, you know, the Philistines can't survive because they're not going to have any food. And so he collects 300 foxes. Now, that's pretty crazy. Like, how have you ever seen a fox in real life? Like, it's not like something you just go up and you're like, hey, little foxy, and you grab it and then you have a fox. But he somehow collected 300 foxes. He ties their tails together, sets them on fire. And then puts them into the, I know it's crazy, puts them into the crops so that the crops get set on fire. Because I imagine the foxes, you know, their tails are on fire, so they're fleeing everywhere, going crazy. But to be able to kill a lion with your bare hands, to be able to destroy a thousand Philistine fighters with just the jawbone of a donkey, and then to somehow be able to catch not one or two, but 300 foxes. There must have been a lot of foxes around there. That's a, that's a lot in one area. 
tie them together and then set them on fire to go through the field. Like that's pretty crazy. So this is Samson's strength. He was strong, but it wasn't just that he had physical strength. He was connected to God. He had a deep connection with God. And it would say anytime one of these situations would happen, it would say that God, that Samson would hear from God and he knew that God was with him. And then he would go and, you know, kill the Philistines or kill this lion or the foxes, or there's a ton of other stories in there about this because he was connected to God. He had a deep connection with God. But then, so that's like the first part of Samson's life, but then Samson encounters a downfall and her name is Delilah. And it's funny when I was, when I was writing this, all I could think about when I would say his downfall and her name was Delilah, I would think about the beginning of the theme song from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, where it's, um, this is a story about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And that's kind of Samson. So he met Delilah and then his life just gets flipped and turned upside down without him even really knowing or seeing it happen. And so that's what we're going to learn. We're going to learn today about how temptation thrives when we don't pay attention to the warning signs. I'm going to say that again. Temptation thrives when we don't pay attention to the warning signs. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to just really read through this entire passage of Samson and Delilah. I was trying to think about how I could summarize or how I could, you know, just kind of tell the story, but it was one of those situations where I read it and I just felt like it needed to be told exactly how it is in the Bible because it's such a good story and it paints a much better picture than I could make of of this relationship between Samson and Delilah and about Samson's downfall. So we're going to read from Judges 16. If you have your Bible, you can open that up. Um, we're going to start with verse 4, and we're going to read, um, it's about 16 verses we'll go through this morning together, and we'll kind of break it apart and summarize it and explain it. But I really just wanted to to go through it exactly how it's listed in the Bible. So Judges 16, we're going to start with verse four, and I'm reading from the NLT version. So yours might be a little bit different if you have a different version, but we'll pick up with verse four. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sork, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him. So we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So right off the bat, you know, we hear this, Samson is in love with Delilah. We don't know. It doesn't say if she was like this incredibly beautiful woman. You know, we don't know much about her except that Samson fell in love with her. We learn that she's extremely um, conniving and she is just got her claws around Samson all through this story. So we don't know exactly the beginning of how they fell in love or how he fell in love. What we know is that Samson or Delilah is only mentioned in this chapter and it talks about how much Samson loves Delilah, but it never once mentions that Delilah loves Samson. So right from the beginning of the story, you see that she is using him. So much so that the Philistines know, you know what, we're going to go to Delilah because she's with this guy, Samson, who's our enemy. And we're going to we're going to work that for our favor and, you know, take over Samson. So they say, we will give you eleven hundred shekels of silver. So I had to ask Jared to help me kind of figure the math over this because we don't really use shekels this this time and age. 
Um, and so we figured it out with the percentage of what a, what the daily wage would be, that it would equal out now to be about a million dollars. So they were offering Delilah a million dollars to give up Samson, her boyfriend, her lover, whatever he was to her. And that's pretty crazy. Like, would you give up someone special to you for a million dollars? Of course not. I wouldn't. I mean, a million dollars is a lot of money, but I would never give up Jared or my kids for a million dollars. But it's obvious that, you know, she didn't have that connection to Samson like Samson did to her. And so she doesn't even second guess it. We don't hear this. You know, there's other times in the Bible where we'll hear, you know, someone's offering someone a payment or a bribe. And they're like, well, I don't know if I should. There's none of that here. Right from the bat, Delilah's listening to the Philistine. She's like, I'm going to make a million dollars for this guy that is just kind of like a roommate right now. I have no connection to him. And so right away she goes right in and is like, all right, I'm in, let's do this. And so we're going to pick up at verse six. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued, which right there, I mean, you'd think that he would send something. Verse seven, Samson answered her. If anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. So right away, Delilah is reeling Samson in. Whether he realizes it or not, she's putting it out there like, hey, tell me your secret. Tell me what makes you so strong. And Samson must think it's a game or something. You know, he must think it's something, you know, just just fun joking around because he replies back, but he replies back with not the right answer, but he gives her an answer. So you would think, I mean, I would think, you know, if someone's like, what's your deepest secret? Tell me the, the secret to all your strength. What's your kryptonite? You would think that would be like a warning sign. But to Samson, he's like, oh, well, I'll tell her story. This will be fun. It'll be a fun game. So he nibbles at the bait. He nibbles at that bait that she tosses out, tells a little bit of a fib, but he's like, you know, I'll play along with this game. And he ignores the fact and the warning signs that Delilah has a hook at the end of this nibble and that she's just waiting to attach him and claw him and, and take over him. She doesn't, he doesn't see those alarms, which for us, we're like, okay, why are you asking? Why, why does this matter so much? We've been together. I love you. Why do you need to know my secret? I obviously didn't share it with you before. So why is it so important right now? But he doesn't think any of that. He just plays along. Okay. Now verse eight, then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried and she tied him with them. When the men hidden in the room, with the men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. If I were Samson, I'd be pretty irritated because not only has your girlfriend been like, hey, tell me your secret. And then he plays along. But now she has used what he told her to try to to make him a captive. And I mean, you'd think like, okay, well, something's going on here. This isn't a game anymore. Clearly you're trying to do something to me. And, and it's like, it's not a game. This is not a game anymore, Samson. She's trying to, to capture you. She's trying to take over your strength. She's trying to obviously sell you to the Philistines, but he doesn't think that. And so it's so easy for us to marvel in the stupidity of Samson. And while I'm reading through this story, I'm like, how did he not know? Like, how, how could he not see what she was doing? Because to us, it's obvious. But isn't that the way it happens for us too sometimes? When we, when we dabble in sin or we dabble in temptation 
and we're just like, you know, just going at it just a little bit. But when we, we emerge unscathed, we think it's harmless. So why does it matter? You know, I'm strong enough to overcome it. I know my limits. I know when to stop. And so we're just like Samson where we think, well, it's, you know, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm just kind of playing a game here and it'll be fine in the end. So Samson gets caught up in Delilah's deceitful game that he can't see the warning signs around him. He can't see that she's trying to trick him. He can't see that there is something deeper in this, that she's really trying to, to hook him into this trick, into her claws. He thinks it's a game and he thinks it's okay because he has favor with God. He's a strong man. No one could ever really hurt me. So he doesn't think that he has any chance to lose this battle with Delilah, this game that Delilah is playing. And when we ignore God's warning signs, we become blind to the immediate danger. When we ignore God's warning signs, we become blind to the immediate danger. Picking up at verse 10, then Delilah said to Samson, you have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me, how can you be tied? Again, I'd be like, Delilah, why do you care so much? Why does this matter? Like we've been through this once. I'm obviously not going to tell you. Why are you trying so much? Warning, warning. She keeps trying. That's what you'd think. But Samson's not quite all there. And Delilah isn't satisfied without, you know, the little games, the little nibbles that Samson is, is giving her. And it's obvious to Delilah that Samson is playing a game here. And it's obvious to us from viewers reading this story that Samson is an idiot and is not seeing the warning signs and just keeps getting more and more involved. And so Delilah tries again. What's your secret? So again, Samson plays into the game. Verse 11, he said, if anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, all this time you have been making me a fool and lying to me. Tell me, telling me you can be tied. And again, so she tries again. Samson's like, all right, I'm sorry. I'll tell you. And he replies, if you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric of a loom and tighten it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into fabric and tightened it with the pin. Again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep and pulled up the pin and loom with the fabric. So now this is our third time of this game. But first of all, can I just call out? How amazing would it be to have Samson's hair? I mean, he's got his hair in seven braids. They're sewn into a loom, which is what they would make their clothes and fabric with. And it's like sewn into there, which he's sleeping. So he must have been an insanely deep sleeper. But then he just wakes up and it snaps the loom apart because his hair is that strong. Like, I'm pretty sure all us girls are pretty jealous of Samson's hair because that's pretty incredible. Anyway, back to the story. I just thought that was a cool point. So here we have, it's, Three times now that we've played this game where Delilah wants a secret, he tells a fake story, and then he gets out of this situation, and she continues to try. 
clearly it's not a game anymore. It wasn't a game after the first time where you tried to tell me that the Philistines were after me, but now we're on our third attempt here. You've sewn my hair into a blanket and then you're trying to get the Philistines after me. Clearly you're up to something. So the smart move would be, all right, I'm out. You know, you're not the one for me. I'm done with this game. How many times does Delilah have to like smack him in the face with this before Samson's like, all right, I get it. We're done. We need to be done with this. But after multiple failed attempts, Delilah pulls out the big guns and she puts on her pouty girl face and her big puppy dog eyes, probably put on some nice mascara to make her eyes pop. And she goes up to Samson. And then we pick up in verse 15. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you? when you won't confide in me. All right, there's the trickery. She's using the love word. How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. That's a lot of nagging. So she continued. It wasn't just those three times. She now played the I love you card. If you love me, you'll tell me your secret. And then continued day after day after day until it says he was sick to death of it. There was another version I read that said he was on death. He was so annoyed with her nagging and constant questioning that he was like, "Ugh, I'm over it. Whatever. I don't care anymore. I'm just going to tell you. So you'll get off my back and we can get over this and move on. So verse 17. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said. Because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come back one more time. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. How is he sleeping through this? Like, how is she subduing him that he is like sleeping through his hair being put in a loom, being tied up by, I mean, anybody touches me and I'm asleep and I'm like, what's going on? What's happening? But here he's getting his head shaved. She must've drugged him or something. I don't know. It just says he was subdued. So after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him and his strength left him. So here we see that Delilah's persistence, her constant nagging, her constant just irritation after him annoyed him. It sickened him to death. He was done. He didn't want to hear it anymore. He was just tired of hearing it. I mean, I get it. I No offense to my children listening, but when your kids constantly ask you for something over and over and over again, or you have someone else, you know, please do this and this, and then you're just like, oh, fine, whatever. Just, I just want it to be done doesn't mean it's right but sometimes you just get so tired of the constant you know nagging about it that you're just like whatever so Delilah her persistence annoyed him to death so he told a secret he ignored all the warning signs from the very beginning all of this from the fact that she couldn't just accept that he had a promise that he had a secret that he had Um, this commitment that he had made to God not to tell anyone. And she just couldn't accept that. So she continued to prod, continued to question, continued to pester him. And he was so blinded by it. And he was so consumed by it in the end 
that he lost sight of his purpose. He lost sight of what God had called him and chosen him to be. He had lost the ability to hear God's voice through all of this. And instead, as he began to slowly drift away from hearing God's voice and hearing the Holy Spirit speak to him, he allowed Delilah's voice to sneak in and begin to take over. And so as he separated from God, Delilah filled those gaps. And oftentimes, just like Delilah, again, why I love these stories, because we can learn from them. So just like Samson experienced this, we have this own experience in our lives. We try so hard to fight off sin and temptation. We try so hard to fight off the things that are causing that gap between us and God. And a lot of times it starts off really small, where you just you know, feel like it can't control me. You know what? I, I, I'll have one more drink. It'll be all right. You know, I can, I can stop when I want to. It's not a big deal. It doesn't control me or, you know, it's just one little lie to get out of this situation. You know, it's just one answer that I'm going to look up and cheat on, or, you know, I'm just going to fudge my, my timesheet a little bit at work, or I'm going to leave a little early. No one will notice. I'm going to watch this video and I know it's not good for me. And I know I shouldn't watch this video but it's just one little video. What's it, what's it going to hurt? I'm just going to watch it anyway. It'll be fine. We begin to let our guard down. And when we let our guard down, we begin to allow that gap to start to separate us from God. And then that allows the sin and the temptation to begin to take over our lives to where we stop hearing the warning signs. And instead we're focused on trying to either hold ourselves from being fully taken over from the sin or temptation or we just fully give in and that's all we can think about. It almost becomes, you know, this, this battle. I think of, of like wrestling. And if you think of a wrestling match, you have people that are wrestling and they're going back and forth, trying to hold each other down on the ground and pin each other. And then they do a trick and then they get back up and then it becomes this battle of who can get the other one down until eventually they're pinned down and then they're down for the count. And then they do the one, two, three, you're done. And that's kind of the battle that we see in Samson. And that's also the battle that we can often see in our lives. Because when we stop watching and hearing the warning signs, we lose our connection to the voice of God. And his voice is what allows us to continue walking down the, the right path instead of getting stuck in the wrong path. So now we're going to pick up on verse 20. Uh, same chapter. Then she cries out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. So at this point, they've shaved his head. He's now bald. He's lost all of his strength. Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But then he realized that the Lord had left him. That's pitiful. Like, that's so sad. Like, he goes through this battle, he's not hearing the warning signs, and then suddenly he's like, you know what, I played this game before, we'll play it again, it's fine. And then as he starts to get up, he realizes that God is no longer with him, because instead, the deceit and the lies of Delilah have now filled him, and he has lost his connection with God. And I doubt Samson ever thought he was at risk of being separated, because he was a chosen man of God. He was born, his parents couldn't have children. He was born because God had a purpose, just like we see, you know, when Sarah and Abraham, when they got pregnant and, you know, God had a purpose, God had a purpose for Samson. And so Samson was created to fulfill that purpose. 
So he probably never thought that this game he was playing, this line he was walking between good and deception and allowing himself to be fooled and filled with Delilah's deceitfulness, I'm sure he never thought that it would end with him being disconnected from God. It's not something we ever really think when we're in the midst of sin. It's not like we're thinking, you know what, I'm going to lie and I'm going to cheat and I'm going to have an affair and I'm going to, you know, go out and, and drink every night until I'm drunk and I'm going to cause all of these problems. It's not something we think, oh, and I'm going to do this and then I'm going to lose my relationship with God. It doesn't really happen that way. It slowly starts to become something. And so Samson thought he had it under control. He probably thought he was the one leading this game. So when, you know, Delilah's asking for the secret, he probably thinks, oh, this will be a fun little game that we're going to play together. And he never really realized that she was the one in control, that she was the one winning this game. He loves God. Samson loves God. He served God. He was chosen by God to be this mighty warrior, but it doesn't mean that sin and temptation still couldn't sneak in. He let his guard down. And by letting his guard down, he let his relationship with God sink down. And so therefore he lost his relationship, his bond, his voice, his warning signs that were given to him through God. And so it cost him his strength. It cost him his calling that God had called him to be this great warrior that had, you know, defeated a lion with his bare hands that tied up 300 foxes that, you know, killed a thousand Philistines with a bone of a donkey. He, he lost sight of that, and so he lost that. And then in the end, it ultimately cost him his life because he was captured without strength. And what we can learn from this is we can evaluate and see what is the Delilah in your life? What is the Delilah? What is it that's causing you to lose sight of your relationship with God? What is something that is causing a gap between you and God? What is a temptation that you may struggle with, that you nibble at, that you never think can fully capture you, that will never hook you and, you know, get you out of, out of the water. But there's something that's just that constant thing that is separating you from God. And it can be a lot of things. You know, I've mentioned drinking. Maybe drinking has control over your life. Maybe that's what you look forward to at the end of every day because it's something that gives you peace and comfort instead of getting that peace and comfort from God. Maybe it's, um, you know, whether it's someone on, on this call or someone listening live, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's sex, maybe it's gossip. Maybe you're so involved in other people's business that it's controlling your life and you're losing focus of your relationship with God because you're so caught up in everyone else's life. You know, maybe, maybe you're living two lives. Maybe who you are today on Sunday is very different from the person you become tomorrow when you show up at work. Maybe that's controlling your life and that creates a gap. And so you find yourself struggling to have a relationship with God because you're living two very separate lives. It can also be internal things. Maybe hatred is causing you to be separated from God. Anger, pride, um, things like now prejudice, things that are taking over our lives that are causing us to be so consumed with something other than what God has us intended to be or who he's created us to be. We're so blinded by the path that we're on that we've lost sight of the voice of God, the warning signs, and we get caught up in those things. Maybe it's just one little thing that you get caught up, but the problem and what we see with Samson is it started out as one little thing, and then it ended with him being so controlled by it, which is what sin and temptation can do. 
it attacks and it starts small with like a little whisper, like, oh, you should, you should go do this. Or it's just one more conversation. You know, it's just one more day that I'm going to leave work early and not, you know, get paid for it, but not really, you know, list my time properly. It starts out small, but then it begins to take over. It takes root in your heart and it takes over your life. And that's when we need to do some self-evaluating. That's when we really need to take time to pray, to focus. God, what is it in my life that is filling in the gaps that you should be having control over? What it is? What is it in my life that is holding me captive to where I'm not hearing your voice? I'm not hearing the warning signs. I'm not able to follow you because I'm so caught up in these other things. And maybe it's evident. Maybe as I'm talking, you're like, I know what it is. It's very clearly this thing. Or maybe it's not. Maybe you really need to do some self-evaluating just to make sure that everything's in check and that there are no areas of your life that are open for that sin, for that temptation, for that deceit, but instead can be filled with God. Now, the great thing about this story and about the story of our lives is that we serve a God of second chances. So when we fall, it's not over. Game's not done. You know, it wasn't, it's not like God's like, okay, well, you know what? You fell short. You fell into sin. I'm sorry. We're done for good. No, God is a God of second and third chances. Now that doesn't mean that we can use that as an excuse that God is this all forgiving God and we can continuously sin and fall short and God's going to save us. No, we have to truly be ready to change. And then that's where God meets us. When we fall short, we miss the warning signs, but it's not too late for us to come back. And there's a verse in the Bible that I love. And you don't have to turn there. I'll just read it um, for you because it's in a different chapter. It's in Romans 3. And you're probably pretty familiar with this, but we're going to read Romans 3 verses 22 and 23. And it says this, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is truth for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. It's a beautiful verse because when we fall short, God's there to meet us. And his grace is bigger than any sin, bigger than anything that we could ever do wrong. We just have to be willing to meet him to, you know, come out of that and then begin again with him. And that's a beautiful story. And so we see that with Samson. Samson ignored God's warning signs. He was blinded by the immediate danger of Delilah. He was caught up in her game. He was caught up in her schemes and he fell short. He stopped watching. He stopped hearing. He stopped listening to God's call and he lost his connection with God. It says it in that verse that, that he felt that the Lord had left him. God was not with him because he was so consumed with sin that there was no room for God anymore in his life. It cost him his strength. And then later in the story we hear, so he's, he's held captive by the Philistines. He has no strength. They end up poking his eyes out. So he's blinded and he is in this prison, helpless, has no strength, can't see anything and is, you know, just there, the complete opposite of who he was in the beginning of this story. So he lost his strength. It cost him his sight. And, you know, we would think, all right, well, poor Samson, he's going to die in this prison. But just like we heard in this verse, because of God's grace and his grace, God's grace is stronger than the sins that hold us back. 
And so we are going to skip down to Judges 16, same chapter, but we're going to go down to verse 28. It's a very short verse, but I just want to read it real quick. It says, then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me again. So this is Samson's prayer. This is his call. This is his, his prayer of repentance. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I lost sight. I'm sorry that I let sin and temptation rule my life. I'm sorry that I lost your voice and the warning signs. I'm sorry that, you know, I lost you. I'm sorry that I lost everything that you had called me to be because I let this get in way in the way of it. And so we see him say, remember me again. And then we won't go into the whole end of the story, but what happens is, is that God finds that forgiveness over Samson and he gives him strength, one last push of strength, and then he's able to defeat his enemies. And so we can use this story of Samson and Delilah to evaluate what we've already talked about, anything that is causing a gap in our lives, anything that is, is causing us to lose sight of a relationship with God. It can be a very simple thing. Sometimes family can take place of God, where we're so consumed with our family, with our relationships, um, whether it's you know a relationship with a significant other, or it's a family member, a sibling, a best friend. And they begin to fill the gap of who God should be in our lives, whether it's, you know, like we talked about drinking or sex or um, hatred, pride, whatever, you know, when we evaluate that God gives us the chance to, to change. He gives us the ability when we can repent, just like Sam said, God, remember me again, God, I'm sorry of everything that I did. I'm sorry that I lost sight. I'm sorry that I replaced you with this item. And I want to come back. I want to be able to hear the warning signs. I want to be able to hear your voice. I want to be able to live in your presence. When we take the time to listen to God's voice, we, we, we regain our strength in him. We regain our ability to hear him. We regain the ability to walk the path with him. And that's so important. So through this story, I encourage you to take this story and take it as a chance to evaluate your life, to take time to see, is there something that is causing a gap? Is there something that is separating you from God? And take time to talk to him. Allow yourself to be connected with him so that he can share that, so that he can open your eyes to see those things. Because more than anything, God wants to have that full relationship with you. He doesn't want you to have something separating you from him. And so if you truly take the time to listen, if you truly take the time to hear from him, he'll show you what is causing that. What is, what is causing you to drift away? What are those warning signs? Um, what are those things that could potentially come to be a place of a full disconnection from him? So I would just encourage you to do that, to take time this week, to take time today, to just pray and hear from God. What are those things so that we don't find ourselves in a situation of Samson where we're, where we're toying with temptation and sin, where, you know, it's, it's kind of probing, Hey, come over and play with me in this area. And instead we can be like, Nope, that's not from God. This is not from God. I'm going to say no. And instead I'm going to follow what God has for me. And I think that we'll find ourselves in a much stronger place. We'll find ourselves in a much happier place because when we're living in a life that is truly connected with God, then we know we're on the right path. And then we don't have the guilt and the shame of those things that try to take over our lives, those things that try to pull us and separate us away from God. So I hope that that um, speaks to you. I hope that this inspires you 
to really just do self-evaluation. It's a good thing to do pretty often. You know, it's something that I try to do every once in a while to just take some time to pray and ask God things that I need to separate from my life. Sometimes it's relationships that I need to separate from my life. Sometimes it's physical things that I need to separate from my life. Sometimes it's just a mentality that I need to, to separate myself. You know, for a long time, Jared and I have been on this um, journey the last couple months because we both realized that food was controlling our lives. And it was something that as silly as it seems that food would control your life, but it did. And it, and it became something that, that ruled me as a person and, and that takes the place of it. So, you know, I had to really evaluate my life and I had to pray about it. And it seems silly like to pray about food and dieting or eating. Right. But I said, God, I want to be the best version of myself. And if I'm not eating healthy, then I'm not who you created me to be because I'm filling my body, your temple with junk and nastiness. And, and it was, it was creating insecurities within myself. It was creating bad habits within myself. And that can be all sorts of different things. So that's why it's important to evaluate. So again, I just encourage you take that, take time, see what's, what is in your life that may need to be adjusted, that may need to be brought to the spotlight so that you can work on it so that you can make change there. All right, let's close uh, in prayer and then we will uh, have some discussion time. Jesus, I am so thankful for your word. I'm thankful for these stories that, um, that just show an example of who you are in our lives and, and who we've been called to be, that we can learn from real life experiences from other people and, and have the ability to learn from it, to change from it, and to grow from it. So I thank you for the story of Delilah and for Samson, and that we can learn to take things that are creating a gap in our lives that are, that are filling in a spot that should be for you, that we can take those and we can now bring them into our foresight so that we can make a change. God, I pray for each and every person on the Zoom call and for those listening online, God, that you will just help us to see those things. What is it that's taking over our lives? What is it that's creating a space where you should be, a space where you should belong? Help us to hear the warning signs. Help us to, to see the danger that surrounds us that is causing us to lose sight of who we are in you. God, I pray that you will just help us to be stronger, stronger in our faith, stronger um, to stand up against the temptations in our life, stronger to stand up against things that try to creep in and, and pull us away from you. But instead, we will be able to hold true to you being first in our lives and be able to, to just strengthen our relationship with you. We thank you for that. God, I pray that um, you will help us um, to just live a life that is true to the relationship that you want us to have with you. God, I thank you for that. Um, be with our conversation, guide us and help us um, just to follow after you more truly and more deeply. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Encounter PGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.